In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Three in One who comes to us today and delivers to us what is promised. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, know any good ghost stories? It's kind of an art to be able to tell a ghost story, isn't it? Something that you can tell people maybe on a late night when you're out camping. And if the ghost story goes exactly right, at the end of the night people are walking back to their tents and they're a little bit shaky and all of a sudden they start hearing raccoons and they wonder, what, uh, what could that be? Well, you see, there's uh, really kind of a, a pattern to what makes for a good ghost story. The pattern that makes for a good ghost story is, first of all, you have to have a fairly believable situation. You have to have a setting where, you know, you could put yourself in the place of the people that are in that story. And so maybe if you're out camping, it's a story about people that are out camping. And maybe if you live in a neighborhood with a crazy old lady, well, maybe it's a story about a crazy old lady who lives in a neighborhood much like yours. And then the second part of it is that you need that mysterious character. You need that crazy old lady who does something that's sort of mysterious. You can't really quite figure out why she never seems to come out until it's dark. You can never quite figure out why it seems she seems to dislike everybody except for, well, you know, the little boys that come by her house or the little girls that come by her house. A mysterious character who does something that is a little mysterious, a little bit unexplainable, and a little bit, well, frightening, to be quite honest. And then the third thing that you need for a good ghost story, and if you don't have this, it's really not a good ghost story, is you need a little bit of a promise. You need a little bit of a promise that somehow, in some way, the same thing that you're telling in this story, well, that could happen to the people that you're telling the story to. And so if you think about it, one of the most popular ghost stories in our collective consciousness in America is this story of Bloody Mary. Anybody know the story of Bloody Mary just by a show of hands? Yeah, so you have Bloody Mary who lives in a neighborhood maybe a little bit like yours. And she's this creepy old lady... And then somehow, she does this mysterious thing. And a lot of times, there's actually several different versions of the Bloody Mary story. But in a lot of, time, a lot of the stories, you have Bloody Mary who's drawing little girls to herself so that she can take the years of their life and use them for herself while she drains the years of their lives. And then you have that third element, don't you? That third element that has a promise to it. And in the story of Bloody Mary, all you have to do is you have to go to your mirror, maybe in the dark of night, and look and stare into that mirror and say her name. Not once, not twice, but three times. And if you say it three times, then bam! 
she'll appear and she might even take you into the mirror with her and use the years of your life for herself. Well, that's a fake ghost story. But what we celebrate today is actually a real ghost story. And it, interestingly enough, kind of goes along the same contours of the ghost stories that we know and love and use to frighten one another deep, dark, into the night. Today we tell the story, the ghost story, of this Holy Ghost. This ghost who we see coming to the disciples in a pretty, well, ordinary situation. Things are going along for the disciples in much the way that you might think that they would if they were getting together and they were going to start to do something. They had already seen the Lord. They had already decided that they were going to continue this practice of being His disciples, of having faith in Him. And they had already started to do the first things that were necessary for that. They had lost one guy, Judas, and so they decided that they needed to fill his spot. And so they had brought up two candidates and then cast lots to decide on which one of them would be the one who was going to take Judas' spot. And Matthias got that one. And then all of a sudden, the book of Acts seems to jump in the second chapter to, well, they're just all in the same house together, and they're really not doing much. Because they're still kind of stuck in that typical situation. They're still kind of stuck in that, okay, well, we've done all of the organizational things that we need to do. We lost one guy. We brought one guy on. Okay, now what do we do? And sometimes that's the way that our lives are kind of like. We're kind of stuck in these typical situations where we've done all of maybe the right things, but still it's like that gun hasn't gone off. It's like we're going to race and all of a sudden we're lining up at the starting blocks and we hear ready, get set, but you never hear go. I know that it's like that for me a lot of times when I have writer's block. When I have writer's block and I don't know what to write... I'll do all of the organizational things that I need to do. I'll finally clean up my office. I'll read a little bit of a book that I've been meaning to read for a long time. I'll play some computer games just hoping that all of a sudden inspiration will come to me. But it never does and it's so frustrating to be stuck in that typical situation. How many of us are stuck in that typical situation a lot of times with our spiritual lives? Happens to me. I assume it probably happens to you. Where you're stuck in that typical situation of your life worshiping God. And, well, you've pulled out your Bible and you've opened it to the right thing, but then nothing seems to be coming out. And you've gotten your prayer list ready to go and you just can't seem to be able to fold your hands and come to Him. Or maybe you've written down the names of all of those people that uh, you'd like to talk to about 
Christ, and yet you just can't quite get it going. You're stuck in that typical situation where everything is so frustrating. And you want to get out of it. But the disturbing thing is that in order to get out of a typical situation is that you need a mysterious character. You need a mysterious character who's doing something mysterious. And we're not really sure about that one either. Because quite honestly, if you look at what happened to the disciples here, not too many of us in reality would say, yes, sign me up for that. I want to be sitting in church today, and all of a sudden I'm going to hear the rush of a wild wind come in here. And then, on top of that, there's going to be tongues of fire that appear above everybody's head, and then the Holy Spirit will fill everybody, and they will start speaking in lenguas extra heros. How many of you would really be willing to experience that? It's this mysterious thing that a lot of us don't like the mysterious. A lot of us, well, we may be a little bit frustrated with the typical situation, but the typical situation, it's so nice and safe. I mean, if the guy next to you started speaking in Russian, probably most of you would be like, all right, man, das Vidanya. We might get scared. And frightened. And even more than just the tongues of fire and the speaking of foreign languages and and all of those things. Well, what we would most be concerned with is that if this Holy Spirit comes into our lives, then, well, He might make us a little bit uncomfortable. He might actually challenge us. You see, most of us would be fine with giving our lives to God, except we don't know that He would know what to do with our lives. Right? I'm commander of this ship, not this Holy Spirit guy. But that's where the rest of the story comes in. That's where the rest of this story comes in and it explains how we can take this challenging Holy Spirit and we can hear what He's saying to us. And we can live it. Because you see, when we listen to that Holy Spirit, when we receive that Holy Spirit, what we're receiving is a promise. A promise that God has given us from almost the very day of creation. That His Spirit, the same Spirit that was there at the beginning of the world, hovering over the waters, that that Spirit, that Spirit will live inside of us. That is the promise that He gave to us. That's the promise that we have been waiting for for so long. That's the promise that these disciples had been waiting for for so long. That third part of a good ghost story. The promise. The promise that... 
if you hear His words, that the Holy Spirit is there. That in the waters of baptism, that the Holy Spirit is there. In communion, when we take communion, that the Holy Spirit is there. That when we pray to God, that the Holy Spirit is there. And that promise can only come through the one that the Holy Spirit points to. This Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus, we are just unworthy to receive this Spirit. We can't receive this Holy Spirit because we're too unclean. In our sins that have been caused by wanting to stay in the typical situation and just miring there. This Holy Spirit comes because this Jesus Christ comes into your life, forgives you of your sins, makes you whole again, and able to receive the gifting of this Spirit who comes in you. And Paul tells us that you can tell this Holy Spirit by simply three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Paul tells us that you can only say Jesus is Lord and truly believe it, truly be have integrity in saying that if you have this Holy Spirit. Of course, that's a little bit frightening. Maybe... As frightening as saying Bloody Mary is in a dark bathroom while you're looking into the mirror. And so today what I'd like you to do, when you get home at some point in time, if you have the guts, go to your mirror. Look into that mirror and watch yourself speak these words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And know that in speaking those words, you have seen the promise of this Holy Ghost story. Amen.